And we're going to remain standing now as we read these words from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10. Will you read these words with me? Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. beginning a new sermon series called The Art of Neighboring. Uh, What does it mean to actually love our literal neighbors, those people that are right next door to us? Uh, If you're a guest with us this morning, I want to say welcome. Uh, We are so happy that you are here as we have come together to worship God with one another, hear what God has to say. And I believe that God has a word from us uh, from the Gospel of Luke. As Jesus says, the two most important things in your life are to love God and love your neighbors. Uh, if you have your sermon notes, uh, they're inside your bulletin. I invite you to take those out if you're somebody who likes to write things down. And, and, and as we hear these words about how to love our neighbors, and we wonder if Jesus was talking about those people right next door to us, I have a confession to make. Maybe you have the same one. My confession is this, that we don't, I don't, know our neighbors that well. Does that apply to anybody else? We, we don't know our neighbors that well. My neighbors can be better described as those people that I kind of recognize, you know, like that car that I know that drives by all the time, or, you know, that family down the street, you know. Or, or the people who, you know, just like, I don't know my neighbors that well. And, and maybe if you've lived in that kind of world where you don't know your neighbors that well, you know this exactly to be true, that it is easier to draw negative conclusions about people we don't know. It is easier to draw negative conclusions about people we don't know. If we don't know their name, if we, you know, kind of have a face to say down there, but we really don't know anything about them, it is very easy to draw negative conclusions. It's very easy to discriminate. It's very easy to hate. It's very easy to fear people we do not know. You know that family that lives down the street, you know, that like they, they just seem to have like a house of kids at the end of the street and no parents. You know that? Like, like there's Lord of the Flies at the end of your street or something, uh, you know, or, or the people who, you know, don't mow their lawn or, you know, try to go like as long as they can without it. And, or, or the people who have like the broken vehicles that constantly in the front yard, like are they ever going to get that fixed? And, you know, the people who, who leave their trash cans out, just like, you know, all week, and it just, you know, comes around again, you know. It is easier to draw negative conclusions about people we don't know. It's easier to discriminate. It's easier to make up these narratives in our head about those people and why we don't talk to those people and why we don't do things with those people. It is easier to draw negative conclusions about people we do not know, but I don't think that's how Jesus calls us to live. I think Jesus has called us to a better way of life. I think that whenever he was talking about our neighbors, Jesus was actually being literal. And I don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that we should take every teaching of Jesus literally. In fact, I think that Jesus, Jesus' teaching was sometimes figurative and sometimes literal, right? Sometimes he was speaking figuratively, sometimes he was speaking literally, and I have a couple of examples here. Uh, one of the examples of figurative teaching was found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5. Um, and, and, and in this gospel, Jesus says this, 
If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. I really hope he was being figurative. Tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. Now, now look at the consequences of the actions, right? And we know that Jesus was being figurative because if not, we would all be blind and without hands, right? Like this would not be a way that Jesus wants us to live. This is not the kind of life abundance that Jesus talks about. Jesus was being figurative. There were times in which Jesus' teaching was figurative and times in which it was literal. And I think one of the examples of a literal teaching was whenever he spoke to the lawyer in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10. The lawyer comes up and he says, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, you know what's in the law. The guy says, I do. I'm supposed to love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love my neighbor as myself. Jesus said, do this and you will live. The consequence is that you will have life. Literally, that you will have life. Jesus said that I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Abundant life. Not this kind of half-lived life. Not this life where we're constantly scraping by, where we're constantly exhausted, where we're constantly scrapping money, we're constantly you know, fighting with our families. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. This abundant, full life, the hope of Jesus Christ has abundant life. Jesus says the way to that life is by loving God with everything that you are and loving your neighbor as yourself. What if Jesus was telling us to love our literal neighbors? What if he said the way to this abundant life is to love the people who are literally next door to you? Well, I think there's some actual positive benefits of that. And the actual positive benefits, we found these in statistics, uh, the people who love their neighbors, people who know their neighbors, at the very least, if they know their neighbors, they statistically live longer if you know your neighbors. This would be a consequence of Jesus' teaching that if we loved our neighbors, if we knew them, then we would actually live longer. Another positive benefit is that actually there is 60% less crimes in where people know their neighbors. When people in their neighborhoods know each other, there is 60% less crime because those, you know, those people are less likely to rob from you if they know you. You know, like there's 60% less crimes in neighborhoods where people know their neighbors. And not only this, we should pay close attention to this, that, that first responders to natural, natural disasters are who? Your neighbors, the people who just experienced the same disaster. Wouldn't it be great if they knew the name to call out next to your house? Like if they came to respond to a natural disaster, if something happened, wouldn't it be great if they actually knew how many people to look for? Jesus says that you can have abundant life, not just because Jesus said so, because it's true. We can live longer. We can have less crime. People who can respond to natural disasters can actually be there for you if we know the people next door to us. And you may be hearing this and saying, like, you know, I know Jesus said to love our neighbors, but you don't have my neighbors, you know, like those weird neighbors. You don't have those people. Those people are hard to love. Maybe your neighbors are a little bit like this. Now I thought I'd share some of my favorite, my weird neighbor tweets from you guys. Here we go. This first one is from at Hartwell17. He says, my neighbor asked me if I smelled anything funny the other night. I said, no. He replied, good. (laughs) This is from at Issa Zena. She says, I was taking a shower and singing Believe by Cher, and at the chorus part, I heard my neighbors sing it with me. (laughs) This one's from at Chance Carnahan. He says, our new neighbors thought our Wi-Fi was our last name, so they gave us a Christmas card addressed to the Link Sis family. (laughs) Link Sis. I'm Gary Link Sis, my wife Susan Link Sis. This is my wifey. Yeah. My wife, uh, Mrs. Mrs. Link. My uh, my broadband. (laughs) (laughs) This is our dog, password123. All right, good dog. You you may be saying, like, I I have those weird neighbors. You know, those people are hard to love. And I would say, I know. 
Because many times we've found that it is easier to love people on the other side of the world than it is to love the people right next door to us. Right? We have realized that it is easier to love people who are far away than to love people who are right next door. And I think that's the problem of the Good Samaritan. And here's the problem of the Good Samaritan. We read this passage in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10. The lawyer comes up to Jesus and says, What do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says to love God and to love your neighbor. And then maybe we know these words. The lawyer wanted to justify himself, and so he asked, Who is my neighbor? He wants to justify the actions he's already doing. Maybe you can relate. The Lord wants to justify the actions he's already doing. He says, who is my neighbor? And so Jesus tells him a story. Uh, maybe you've heard this story before, but Jesus said there was a man uh, walking to Jerusalem, the high holy place where the temple was, where people worshipped, and, and good Jews worshipped. And so he said he was going from Jericho to Jerusalem, this treacherous pass, and he fell into the hands of robbers, and they beat him, stripped him, took everything he had, and left him half dead on the side of the road. And, and Jesus said, then a, then a priest came by, a religious person, a religious leader. He came by, and he saw the man on the side of the road, and he goes to the other side of the road, and he keeps walking. And then a Levite comes by, a good lay person. These are both, you know, to our people, church-going people, right? And, and he sees a Levite, and the man sees him on the half-dead on the side of the road, and, and, and he goes to the other side of the road, and he keeps walking. And then Jesus says a Samaritan came by. Samaria, Samaritans, people who were from Samaria, uh, were hated, despised by Jews. These were, these were terrorists. These were the bad people. If They would go miles outside of their way to not have to walk through Samaria. That if they saw a Samaritan, they would spit on the ground in front of them. That these were hated and despised people. Jesus says, even though the priest and the Levite came by, the Samaritan was the one who stopped and helped. And he, not only that, but he paid for the man's health care. He paid for him to actually stay at an inn. He paid for all of his needs, and he took care of him. And Jesus says, who do you think was this man's neighbor? And the lawyer begrudgingly says, well, the one who helped. And so we hear this story. Um, we, in, in, in 2018, hear this story, and so we think, well, everyone is our neighbor. That's correct, but, but I think we need to understand something very clearly about this story. That Jesus gave the lawyer a master's level course on neighboring. Because this lawyer had neighboring down. He had nationalism to a T, right? And it, it, this lawyer was Jewish. He lived in Israel. It was Israel against the world, right? There was no, like, foreign aid that he was helping other people. There, there was no... He had, it was his neighbors. It was he. It was his tribe against everyone else. And he was going to help his people before he helped anybody else. He had neighboring down. Jesus was expanding this man's mind of neighboring because he already had one piece of it down. Jesus gave this lawyer a master's level course on neighboring, we need the kindergarten version. We've tried to apply this term neighbor to everybody, and there's a negative consequence when that happens, that when we start on the master's level course, when we start to try to love everyone, we end up loving no one. And, and, and if you're here today and, you know, you say like, you know, I, I, I support foreign aid, I support all these different people, all these different organizations, I think that's great, I'm so glad, and I hope you keep doing that, but I hope we also know that that does not keep us from loving the people next door to us. That does not keep us from knowing the names and the lives and the relationships of people who live in our very own neighborhood and whom we have a chance to meet each and every day. That, friends, if we're going to start today, we need to start by loving the people whom God has placed in our lives, placed closest to us. We need to start here. This is the kindergarten version. This is the basic level course on loving people, is loving people we see every day, put a face to the name, know these families and relationships, and follow up with them. And we're going to do this because Jesus has called us to do it. And so we're going to do a little experiment while we're here uh, this morning. If you have your sermon notes, hold up your sermon note just really quick. If you have it uh, in your hand, it's in your bulletin. Okay, on the back of it is a block map, and it looks a little bit like this. So we're going to try something uh, here this morning. We're going to try, so this, this middle square that has the orange house on it, that's you, right? That's your home. And the eight blocks around it represent the eight 
houses, the eight families that live closest to you in your neighborhood, right? I know your neighborhood doesn't look like this, but um, it, so these eight families in these eight boxes, so in each box, I want you to try to write something. First of all, you're going to write the name of the eight people who live closest to you, okay? So go ahead, start writing eight people who live closest to you, the names, as many as you can do, all right? The eight names of the people who live closest to you. You're going to write some more things, so it's going to go at the top, but um, in each box, you're going to write the name of the people, eight people closest to you. Okay? And as, as you work on that, I want you to also write this. B is information you can't learn from your driveway. All right? So not that they have a red minivan, um, not that they root for this team because they have that bumper sticker, but um, information that you have learned from having a personal conversation with them. B, in each box, I want you to write something you've learned about them. Where are they from? What do they do? Um, you know, what, what sports do they like? What food do they like? Something you've learned from them from having a personal conversation with them. Okay? It's getting a little harder. Yeah? And then, finally, in each box, I want you to write down their career plans, their dreams, their hopes, their goals. What do they believe about life? What do they believe about God? It's hard, right? And I, I can't stand in front of you today and say that I can do this for everybody who lives closest near me. I, I can't. It's difficult. So just really quick, was anybody able to get all A's, all the names? Anybody able to get all names? Yeah, we got a few. Okay, good. Uh, anybody able to get all B? Something you've learned from about that. Okay, good. Great, great, great. Got a couple. Yeah. Um, and, and that's actually statistically true that we've found this. Um, this is not just for Christians. This is Christians and non-Christians that actually uh, 10% of people can complete line A for every home. We had about that here. Um, 10% of people could complete line A for every home. Uh, actually, 3% of people could do line B. And less than 1% could do C. Remember, Jesus said the two most important things in your life are to love God and to love your neighbor. <laughs> Many of us don't even know their names. Imagine how much different the world would be if we started to love these people right next door to us. So I want to invite you, some, I'm going to invite you at the end of this, I'm going to invite you to take that, that block map home and to actually commit that and put it on your, uh, on your refrigerator, put it somewhere where you can see it, that we can actually plan this summer to do this, to actually learn our neighbor's names, learn something about them, that we can love them, that we can bless them. And, and I know what you may be thinking, you're like, you know what, I came to church on Memorial Day, I did not want homework, right? Like, come on, this is not the thing I wanted this morning. Like, why, why are we doing this? And one of the reasons is because Jesus said so. And so if we claim to be Christians, then we ought to do what he said. Uh, but another reason is because we see it in, in, the, in the book of Acts, it's just the entire book of Acts is what the disciples, now apostles, did after Jesus ascended into heaven. He said, this is yours now. We, we started this, and, and now I'm sending you the Holy Spirit to empower you to do it, but you need to go and go do it. And the church grew drastically, did amazing things. And there's this story in the book of Acts at 17, and Paul goes to Athens, he goes to Areopagus, this place of just religious hub of the world, and all these different religions, and all these different cultures started to come together for the first time, and they started to talk and share what they believed. And it was this amazing event. And Paul got there, and, and one of the things he saw in the Areopagus in this, in, in this religious center was an altar to an unknown God. And Paul pointed it out and starts to preach, and he says, I think I know something about this God that you've worshipped. 
He said, I think this is the God of Jesus Christ. And let me tell you a little bit about him. And when he told him about him, he said this. And in the book of Acts chapter 17, he said, From one ancestor, God made all nations to inhabit the whole earth. And he had allotted times for their existence and the boundaries of the places where they would live so that they would search for God and perhaps grope for him and find him, though indeed he is not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. Paul said, God has put people next to you who are searching for God. God has put people next to you who are searching for him so that they will find him through you, through your relationships that you have the ability to run into somebody every single day and bless them. That's why God has placed them there. Will they find God through your interactions? Will they find God by, by how you act, by what you do? God says, I trust you with this person, with this family, with this life with this care, with this need, with this concern. How you, will you respond? Will we call the cops on them every time we hear noise? Will we complain about their yard? Will we make dirty looks at them when we see them in the driveway? Or will we actually smile and bless them? Will we love them? Not because of what they have done, but because they are a child of God. Here's the, friend, here's the thing, friends. If, in order to love these people, we've got to know their names. Right? We just have to know their names. You know, we don't want to mail the, you know, the letter to the Lynx's family, right? Like, we got to know their names. We got to know their names if we want to love them. Because truth be told, a lot of us have strangers that are living right next door to us, right? They're people we're familiar with. We know the car. We know what it looks like, but we don't know them. And, and so we're going to have to have the awkward interaction of saying, hey, I know that I've lived next to you for a year, two years, three years, uh, but, but you've got to help me remember your name. And when we get it, we're going to write it down on our block map, and we're going to remember it, and we're going to put it somewhere where we're going to see it every day, and we're going to pray for that family. And so we're going to turn a stranger into an acquaintance, somebody we know, so it's not just waving at a car that we're kind of familiar. We're waving at Susan. We're waving at Frank. We're waving at somebody that we actually know. And then when we start to do that, we're going to start talking with them, and we're going to start interacting with them, and we're going to change that acquaintance into a relationship so that we're not only just going to wave at them, but we're going to ask how their life's doing, how's their work, how's their family, how's that hospital visit, how, I, you know, I, how, how is that stuff going on, and how can I help, how can I bless you, what can I do for you? And so we're going to consider these are our action steps for this summer. Uh, first thing is we're going to put this, this block map up, and we're going to actually try to complete it. We're going to try to fill it out. Name, something about them, and their goals, their hopes, their dreams, their beliefs. Right? We're, we're going to do this. We're going to put it up so that we can bless the world. Not because this is an evangelism tool. Not so that they will come to this church, but so that they will have a relationship with Jesus Christ that could actually save their life. That they could actually have life and have it in abundance. We're going to, I want to invite you to consider, pray about completing this map this summer, putting it somewhere where you can see it so that your entire family can participate in it. And I want to also invite you to consider moving to a common space, moving to the front yard, move where some people go other places. Maybe if you live in a neighborhood, you can move to the front yard, you can go to the park, or if you live in an apartment complex, you can go down to the common area, something, somewhere where people interact, where people talk. Because people aren't going to know you if you hide every day of your life. And so you're introverts say, you're like, I, I can't do that, I'm an introvert. You know, that's not what that means. Now, that means you gain energy from being alone, so you should spend time alone so that you can go and meet with people. Because this Christianity, this thing, this thing where we follow Jesus is a contact sport. We have to talk to other people about it. We have to interact with other people. And I know it's hard, and I know it's uncomfortable, but I think Jesus has called us to it. 
Uh, a few days ago, just last Thursday, uh, my wife Melissa, um, who is the director of discipleship here, she had some responsibilities on Thursday evening, and so I had our kids, Anna, who's five, and Elijah, who's two, uh, to myself that evening, and I was responsible for putting them to bed that night. And so after we got done with dinner, if my, if my responsibility is putting them to bed, I'm going to wear them out that day, right? So, so after we got done with dinner, I was like, come on, guys, we're getting on the bikes, we're going for a walk, you know, and, and we're going to go play at the park, and we're going to go, you know, do some stuff, get, get out, and, and, uh, and, you know, get tired. And so... We, uh, we, we got on our bikes, and, and I, I pushed Elijah, and Anna rode her bike, and we went down to the park just a few houses down from us. And, and we got down there, and, and as we got a little closer to the park, uh, I could see that there were some people who were already there, and, and they were clearly having some kind of party. They had pushed all the, um, you know, the picnic tables together, and they had food all over the place, and they were all talking and mingling, and their kids were playing in the park. And, and, and we got closer to it, and, and I was just thinking, oh, man, you're like, you know, I, I really don't want to interrupt this party. They're, they're clearly doing something. And, and I called out to Anna, and I was like, Anna, why don't, you know, let's just go around the pond, or, or let's just go, you know, walk somewhere else, or let, let's go see something else. And, and it says, no, you know, I want to play at the park. You know, I want to swing. I want to slide. I want to do all this. Oh, okay. And, and so, you know, we, we finally go to the park, and, and we're playing, you know, and, and you know how you kind of like stand in the park when there's like other kids there, and your kids, and you're trying like kind of interact and not interact. And, 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 I, and I look over at the, at the group of people, and there was a guy who was clearly in charge of the whole thing, and he saw me there, and I saw him there, and we met eyes, and, and you know, you kind of did that thing in your head where you're like, you know, I don't want to be here either kind of thing. You know, you ever done that? <laughs> like, uh, I'm sorry, you know, and, um, and, and, you know, he smiled and he came over and he walked up and he said, hey, you know, we're just eating and, and, and hanging out and stuff. Do you, you guys want some food or anything? And, and I said, oh, wow, you know, it's really gracious. You know, no, I'm, I'm good. Thank you. And, and, uh, and I said, are you having a birthday party? And he said, no, actually, this is, um, this is my small group. And I said, really, you know, what, what church are you with? And um, he said, actually, I'm, I'm with Redemption Church that worships over at Cheyenne. I said, no, I am. I'm a pastor at Acts 2. And we talked a little bit, and I found out that he was actually the worship pastor for Redemption. And then we both found out that we had been in the same neighborhood for over a year. And I said, well, do you live close by this park? And he said, actually, I just live right there. And he pointed at a house that I had walked by several times over a year as I take Anna back into the, to the park. Now look what happened. Both of us are employed by the church, are, are committed Christians that claim to follow Jesus, who said the two most important things in life are to love God and love the people next to you, and we didn't know each other existed. How much more than to the people who desperately need a relationship with Jesus Christ? There are people who are living right next door to us who, if a family member died, if they lost their job, if something happened in their life, they wouldn't know where to turn. There are people living right next door to us who have no idea that we exist, that there's a church community wanting to bless them, that there are people who claim to follow Jesus Christ who said the two most important things are to love God and to love them. My hope, my prayer is that that will change this summer. That the people who claim to follow Christ will do the very things that Jesus has said to do.